and welcome to this edition of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast, episode number 68. Alex, I have a torch back again. I can't believe we won against Seattle. It's a great feeling to have. Victory Monday once again for the fourth week in a row, really fifth, because obviously we had the bye week, we didn't play, but you know we still celebrated from the Eagles win, and I'm just so happy to beat a team over 500. And I have a lot of thoughts that just come, you know, out right there. And in my points to make, I'll have a lot of thoughts. And we're going to talk about Coach of the Year conversation because a Twitter award actually put that into today's specials as I was writing it up and finishing everything. So we're going to definitely talk about that. However, on the other parts of today's specials, Giants beat Seahawks, as I said, 17-12. We're going to go over the positives and the negatives, the points to make, the analytics that I usually bring up every week from ESPN. And we're going to talk about Coach of the Year conversation. So let's provide some general thoughts. Um, Seattle lost to a backup quarterback. That's the first headline that everybody's going to look at. Oh, they lost to a backup quarterback. And Seattle played a good game in the first half. Our special teams, you know, blundered us again, but thank God it was not a touchdown. Because if it was, it would have been 10 to nothing with the extra point. And we would have been pinned back on our own territory, God knows where. And I just think, obviously it shouldn't have happened. But I think it benefited us rather than either us punting, they get really good field position. Or it's a touchdown and you're down 10 points going into the half. So it's... A lose-lose situation, but I think the Giants handled it really well going into halftime. They didn't score any points in the first half of the second half. They went all out. They did what they had to do. uh, Over 150 yards rushing for, I believe, the sixth or seventh game in a row. Well, it's over 100 yards for a long streak of time this year, and I'm very happy with that, especially for the fact that we don't have Saquon Barkley. Let's talk about it. Let's get into the stats. Obviously, it's an upset. The running game strikes again, like I just said. Wayne Gallman, this is why I love Wayne Gallman. You know, you put him in a situation, you give him a good offensive line, and, you know, this offensive line's growing. They had the best game or one of the best games they've had this season, and he just went off. He really did. 16 carries, 135 yards, 8.4 yards per carry, and 60-yard run, which was the longest. So, you know, that huge 60-yard run, you guys can talk about, you know, Wayne Gallman, the broadcasters, Mark Schlereth, and everybody else could talk about, oh, Jamal Adams. You know, he was trying to track him down. Look at the effort. Look at the effort by the Giants' offensive line. You know, what guards pulled? Wayne Gallman going a full throttle 60 yards to put us in the red zone territory. This guy's amazing. And I'm not saying, you know, he's all this all pro, the pro bowler. No. You know, this is a backup running back doing this. And he's been disrespected all these years. And he's trying to show other teams, hey, listen, if I don't sign with the Giants this offseason, you can pick me up. I can give you the yards if you give me an offensive line. This is why I saw this is what I saw out of him. You know, in 2017, I said, look, guys, we don't need Saquon Barkley. We need a quarterback. And we got Wayne Gallman. Just give him like a backup or something else or give him some counterparts and we'll be fine. No, they drafted Saquon Barkley and, you know, nothing against Saquon. But I just really feel that they were content with Wayne Gallman. But in this situation, I think Wayne Gallman may sign somewhere else in the offseason. But that is not the topic to talk about right now. Alfred Morris, he had another good game. Two touchdowns. He had a receiving touchdown. He had a passing touchdown. He had eight carries for 39 yards, 4.9 per carry. 13 yards was the longest run. Elijah Penny, two for eight. 
four yards and five was the longest, but obviously uh, that was those two opportunities where Shane Lemieux was the fullback. This was, I love the creativity. I really do. Whether it's Joe Judge or Jason Garrett, you know, I was knocking on Jason Garrett. I'm going to knock on him a little bit on here. Um, that is creative. You put Shane Lemieux at fullback. Elijah Penny got a first down. He also got a couple of yards on another run. Deion Lewis, three for six, and Colt McCoy, two for two. And Colt McCoy did what he needed to do. And I'll admit, you know, the first part of the game, and it's a fan reaction, so you're not going to actually say anything that's reasonable if something happens. But Colt McCoy, he did what he needed to do. 105 yards, yeah, that might not be, you know, the greatest uh, backup quarterback stats of all time, but he did what he needed to do. 13 for 22, 4.8 per attempt, which wasn't really good. But again, you're dealing with Colt McCoy, backup quarterback. You guys went on the run game. It was a 31 to 13 comparison. So a good majority of the portion was on the running game. And even though, and I'll admit I was wrong, even though I said, look, you need to pass even with the run game because they're the third best run defense. No, went out and we decided to run the football 31 times we got to them third best run defense and now we're the fourth best run defense on the defensive side so that's very good um he was sacked twice but one of them was Deion Lewis giving up the sack I think the other one was Shane Lemieux because I remember Colt McCoy was trying to step up in the pocket Mayawa got to him and I don't know check out Bobby uh Skinner's offensive line report he probably has the analysis as to why or what caused the two sacks and I told Everybody going into this game, the pass rush don't scare me. You know, the pass block win rate for the Giants, I think it was like 100% or something like that. And, you know, you guys refer to PFF. They gave out good grades for the Giants offensive line. This team is growing. And as I said, I'm not scared of that Seattle defensive line. Carlos Dunlap, he was rotating in and out because of his injury. They put Chad Wheeler in offensively, and he didn't do very well. So, um, but definitely the offense in the second half found its rhythm and, you know, what it needed to do is what it needed to do. Run the football, gain yards, gain first downs, and that's where, you know, we really did well on offense. Defense did excellent. Um, that was no doubt. Patrick Graham, props to you. Props to you, man. Russell Wilson, you know, you guys can look at stats all you want and say, oh, 263 yards. Well, what exactly did Russell Wilson do with 263 yards? Everybody could talk about, oh, DK Metcalf, he, uh, you know, he stiff-armed James Bradbury to the ground. Well, he also got tackled in that same play. So, you know, I'll let DK have his, and I'll let James Bradbury have his. Defense did excellent as far as, you know, containing him. Five sacks, 23 pressures on the quarterback. That's huge. Ten quarterback hits. Russell Wilson had a 32 quarterback rating, a 78 passer rating, 6.1 yards per attempt. I mean, seriously, for one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And I'm not saying this just because the Giants beat him. If they lose the Jets next week, then I'll be, you know, really pissed off because I'll be like, yeah, I got excited for nothing. But it's still a win. Let's go down to the sacks, everybody. Leonard Williams, two and a half. Tay Crowder, one. Peppers, one. Jabal Sheard, half. Who brought us Leonard Williams? Dave Gettleman did. Business move? Questionable at the deadline last year. In rebuilding season, you do not bring over um, Leonard Williams. You know, you sign him in the offseason. But you know what? 
He has an advantage. He has all the leverage for an extension right now. He really does. And I'm very proud of him. I did not like the trade last year. I really didn't. But you know what? He's proving his worth. Thank you, Dave Gettleman. And there was this other guy, Matt O'Leary, uh, for the Jets. And he's like a content creator. He goes, oh, you know, Leonard Williams, he's breaking out now. But, you know, uh, next year when he breaks the bank, he's not going to do anything. Oh, really, man? Like, stop. Stop with your saltiness. Just, you know, cut the crap. And Bad Dog Sports, I was on Cop Pizzle's live stream. Shout out to Cop Pizzle and all the other guys that were on there. I was on there about three times on the Victory live stream. Uh, it was really fun. It was a really fun conversation. It was Pizzle's birthday, I believe, on the 7th. So um, that's interesting. We had a lot of fun on that live stream. And Bad Dog Sports was talking about this. He was actually talking about it last Friday. Excuse me. And he was saying, look, Leonard Williams, early in his career, he had Mohamed Wilkerson and Sheldon Richardson on his side. You know, they were on the defensive line with him. Once they got rid of him, he didn't do anything. And, you know, that's what Jets fans claim. That's what Jets fans complain about. All oh, Leonard Williams he didn't do anything. Well, he's got Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Tomlinson, and all the guys on the defensive line now, and he's producing. You know, last year, the defensive line was just coming into its form. You know, it was really more of an underrated portion because we didn't have linebackers. You know, not necessarily talking about getting the pressure, but I'm talking about in the run game. Because Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Tomlinson, those guys can stop the run. Leonard Williams, too, obviously. But we didn't have any good linebackers. Alec Ogletree, no. He's not a good linebacker. David Mayo, he's a backup. I mean, you know, he plays when he plays. But Blake Martinez, you insert him in there with Tate Crowder and... Boom. Stop in the run. We're the fourth best run defense. Thank you very much. And uh, for all the people ripping Dave Gettleman, oh, you know, you should have concentrated on run-stopping linebackers earlier. Really? Cam Brown, Carter Coughlin, Tate Crowder. Kyler Fackrell just went on the IL, excuse me, IR for the rest of the season. Probably. Because he has some sort of ankle injury or whatever. The Giants are still accumulating sacks. This is coaching, people. You buy the products, you cook the products. Dave Gettleman, he drafted the products. Joe Judge, Patrick Graham, they're cooking the products. So I know you guys want to complain about them. That's fine. You guys want to be miserable? That's fine. I'm on the Giants train. I'm confident in this coaching staff and Dave Gettleman. Sure, Joe Judge can have some confidence in this team, and he could have some say in the personnel. But that's a good thing. Because compared to James Betcher, oh, bring these guys from Arizona. Yeah, look how it's turned out. And I have people, and I was explaining this on a Twitter chat with one of my followers. Uh, his name is Giants, but I don't actually know his real name. I was talking about it. I was talking to him, and I was saying, you know, there's still people that defend James Betcher. And it's BBU Giants on Instagram. He, he's he got great content on there. I'm not ripping him for that, but he was making excuses for Betcher. I'm sorry. You know, I get that the talent wasn't there. But at the same time, you have to be a good coach and coach up that talent. I brought up three separate situations. The Collins situation and one of the reasons they didn't sign him, okay, it was not just for money. I was talking about the Janoris Jenkins situation where he's complaining, oh, I don't get to trail the number one receiver. And DeAndre Baker because he struggled all season. But you know what? Let's stop it there and we're going to talk about this team. Not last year's team because this team is way better than last year's team. We're going to talk about that. Darnay Holmes, that interception. Mind you, he did have, I think, two holding penalties in the game. But that's rookie progressions. I like where his rookie progressions are going. He's improving steadily. 
caught that interception. Nico Lelos, I think he's the one who tipped it or somebody else tipped it and it went into his hands. It was actually Tay Crowder, my mistake. Nico Lelos recovered a fumble that was on the snap to Russell Wilson. He's doing excellent. I cannot believe that this team is progressing so much like this and we beat a team over 500. I am so happy. So happy to talk about it. Bradbury and Yadon played well. You know, Bradbury... I thought he gave up more yards than he did. I don't know like how many, but he gave up some around 50. One of the times they had Yaidom on Metcalf, so it didn't really count that way. But other uh, than maybe like one or two plays, Yaidom was excellent. You know, that one pass breakup in the end zone, very good. He's learning from his counter peers. He's learning from his peers. That's what he's doing. And, you know, I hate it on Yadon, but he's getting better because the coaching staff is implementing the scheme and saying, you need to play like this. And he's playing like that. We held Jamal Adams to one sack and one tackle for a loss. You guys can say, oh, uh, Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams. You know, I'm not talking about Giant fans. I'm talking about the broadcasters. Adam Amin and Mark Schlereth, you know, they were sucking him off the whole game. Whether it was a Giants bad play or Wayne Gallman 60-yard run. Oh, look at Jamal Adams. You know, he's going down the field. And then you got Mark Schlereth tweeting out a couple hours later. Oh, thank you. Oh, um, Giants fans, congratulations. You guys beat the Seahawks and now celebrate like you won a Super Bowl. Like, dude, shut up. Stop being salty. You're more saltier than Seahawks fans that I know. And if I were to choose, the Seahawks would be my second favorite team. So let's, you know, let's cut the crap, bro. You played for the Broncos. I don't know why you're being a Seahawks fan all of a sudden. Unbelievable. But that's Fox for you. That's Fox for you. And for a lot of people that are questioning, that, you know, why are you bringing up these points about Fox Sports and ESPN, you know, why are you talking about them when they're talking about your team being good now? Because they're eating their crow, as Capezzo likes to say. They're eating their crow. Because they admit they were wrong. Emmanuel Acho, a couple of weeks ago, I ranted on him. Oh, the Giants are going to start 2-14. and 14. He ate his crow. On Twitter, he posted, he ate his crow. He admitted he was wrong. Everybody's starting to fall into this, you know, Joe Judge. We believe in him. The Giants are going to be a good team next year. Because they are. And I'm going to bring that up in the Coach of the Year conversation and the points to make. Which is actually coming soon. Oh, boy. Uh, Let's go to the negatives. Offense stale until the second half. They couldn't get anything going. Um... I'm not going to spend too much time on it because there weren't really, you know, I wouldn't say it affected the game a whole lot, but it's stuff we still need to improve on. Uh, Jason Garrett's play calling in the first half, like a third and five, and you're going to call a wide receiver screen and Ingram's not going to make his block. I'm just tired of these screens. And when Jones comes back and we play Arizona next week, we better, and I mean we better, just like throw downfield. This is not the best defense in the league. This is by far one of the worst. They have a good offense. Yeah, sure. Let the defense handle it. We don't need to play conservative. Go out there, and you're not going to see a lot of blowouts with this team. Everybody's expecting, you know, blow out this team, blow out that team. Oh, they didn't blow out the Bengals. Or really, it's a, you know, growing team. I know. I know the offense, you know, was really shady that day with Colt McCoy just coming in. I know the special teams didn't do good that day. But this is a growing team. For all the people who say, oh, you should have blown out the Bengals. Yeah, well, would you rather have a blowout and then not compete the next couple of games? Or would you compete all season and win and lose some games? I think I'll take the second option. Thank you very much. Um, special teams blunder in the first half. Looks like Joe Judge reamed them because that was unacceptable. As I said in the beginning, again, uh, if I mentioned it earlier with the blocked punt, 
I was glad that was a safety and not a touchdown because if it was a touchdown, we'd be down by 10. If it was a punt, they would have had some good field position with the same bad special teams effect. So at that point, we still punted it away after the safety. But at the same time, our defense did very well on that drive. So again, they didn't you know do anything. Points to make. We beat an over 500 team. Let's start with that. Giant fans who, and I'm saying giant fans, some, I'm not saying all of them. Someone told me like, you know what, stop addressing them as Giants fans because Giants fans believe in Joe Judge. Giants fans, some of them don't believe in Joe Judge and Davey G. What more does this team need to show you for you to jump on the Gettle train and the Judge train? I said this to Nicole on Cop Pizzle's stream. If you don't believe me, go watch the stream. What do you need to see more on for, for you to get on the Gettle train? Now, Nicole was joking. She said, I'll let Gettleman retire, you know, have Joe Judge have, you know, personnel decisions. I don't have a problem with him having personal decisions. I don't have a problem with that. But Gettleman, I'm going to get to that seventh round linebackers because they really helped in a way. And this team is progressing, just like the Miami Dolphins did last season. And they're still playing rookies, both teams. So what more do you need to see? We beat an over 500 team. For all the casuals out there, all the Giants are not good. They didn't beat an over 500 team. We just beat one. What do you got to say now? This is the first over 500 team that we've beaten. It's the first under 500 team Seattle's lost to. So, is it a Seattle loss? Or is it a Giants win? I think it's a Giants win. I think it is. Because the Giants, with the backup quarterback, they went in there. They won. That's my thing. This is not tennis where um, it's out on somebody. Someone else doesn't get the point or whatever. You know what? I'm not going to make that analogy because I'm going to end up getting stupid. Or end up sounding stupid. The offensive line is coming together. Since Dave Yelma came in, it's two sacks. And one of them was on Deion Lewis. So you could say one. None against the Bengals. And then here, it was one sack for Benson Maiawa. I think... McCoy was trying to step up in the pocket. He ended up getting sacked. And Maya was, was on Lemieux's side. But he's growing. This, this, you know... What really gets me is Nick Mangold is not eating his crow. Now, I get clapback sports. He likes to tease everybody on Twitter. And I think it's funny. And Mangold was saying, oh, you know, uh, don't rotate linemen. Well, it's worked for the last couple of games. And it's starting to work even more now. Because we've given up two sacks in the last two games. Again... You don't just say, oh, two sacks. No, you look at the film. You look at who gave up those sacks. Okay. Last two games with a new coach, two sacks. This team is growing. Andrew Thomas had one of his best games at the left tackle spot. Cam Fleming, right tackle. I didn't really need to rip on him. I don't think I need to this week. Maybe next week, maybe the week after. Who knows? Will Hernandez, Shane Lemieux, guard rotation. Kevin Zeitler, the same thing. Nick Gates, powerful run blocker. He's not in the analytics that I'm going to come up with later, or I should say I produced later, because I'm getting it from ESPN. But, you know, last week or the week before, he was top 10 among centers in run block win rate. This offensive line's coming together. And now that Nick Gates is extended, everybody's thanking Dave Gettleman. Because they're saying he looks a lot better. You know, a lot of people, for some reason, didn't agree with the Gates extension. Meanwhile, he was, you know, a savior 
on occasion at the tackle spot last year. But he's a good lineman. He really is. And I see this line, unless something happens, playing together for the next couple of years. Ingram is involved in every turnover. Um, It seems to be that way. I have to go back and watch every turnover if I'm going to really assess that point, but almost every turnover. You know, you can make the point, oh, Colt McCoy was supposed to throw it this way, and, you know, Ingram would have got it or would have made an attempt and the ball wouldn't have went up. It was a good play by the corner, I will admit. I don't know who it was. I think it was one of the Griffin brothers. If it wasn't, I'm wrong. But it seems that Ingram is involved in every single turnover. Now, I have to look up who led in receptions and yards. I will have to do that. But it seems that Ingram is involved in every turnover. It really seems that way. Honestly. And I'm not joking with that. And going to my divisional points in a little bit, I'll talk about that. Yainom and Bradbury, they're playing better. I mean... Bradbury, he's been playing good all season. Yadom, he's learning off Bradbury. And, you know, unfortunately, he's smaller. I think he's 6'1 compared to other, like, big receivers. Holmes is about his size or smaller. We have small cornerbacks, but we're dealing with it. You know, Yadom wasn't destroyed on the field yesterday. Or I should say Sunday, excuse me. So he wasn't destroyed on the field. He's actually producing. Is he going to be the number two corner next year? I don't think so. To be honest, I don't want him to be. He's a good depth player to keep around. Ryan Lewis, the same thing. Madre Harper, possibly as well. Darnay Holmes, keep putting him in the slot. Or wherever you're putting him. He's playing well. He really is. Last thing, for the points to make. Let's talk about this rookie linebacking core. We had a huge problem with the linebacking core. Inside and outside, pass rushers, inside linebacking, and tackling. Alec Ogletree, this guy and that guy, Ty Davis, David Mayo being in a lot of the games. And he wasn't bad, by no means. But, everyone was emphasizing this offseason. You know, go get Isaiah Simmons. Go get this guy. We signed Blake Martinez, and a lot of Giant fans were not happy, including myself. But I ate my crow, and I admitted I was wrong. We... Didn't prioritize linebacker till the 6th, 7th round. I said, you know what? I'm going to wait on these guys because I want to see what happens. Cam Brown started his first game on Sunday. And you look coming into the season. What would the Giants seem to be raw at? Pass rusher, right? Lorenzo Carter, Marcus Golden, Kyler Fackrell, O'Shane Zimenez, Carter Coughlin. Those guys were not proven. Lorenzo Carter needed to step up in a big way. Zimenez needed to make the... Adjustments in year two. Golden, was he going to come back and be part of the scheme or was he going to just be a better guy? Was Fackrell going to come back to his form when he was with Patrick Graham? Those were the questions that needed to be answered at the beginning of the year. All of those guys are not here no more. Carter, Zimenez, and Fackrell, they're on IR. Two of them, as we know, are out for the season. Fackrell, probably. Marcus Golden, he's in Arizona. He'll be facing us next week. They don't have Chandler Jones, so, you know, Cardinals will trash talk, oh, Marcus Golden's going to get sacks. He's going to go on a revenge tour. Giants are eighth in sacks this year. They have over 30, I believe, this season. So Patrick Graham still scheming a pass rush. Joe Judge making it sure that these guys are work to their strengths. 
And who's buying the products? Dave Gettleman. And I'm not a cheerleader for the Giants team. I will rip them when needed. I will rip Dave Gettleman. I will question Joe Judge's decisions. I will question Jason Garrett. I will question anybody. But you can't sit here and not say that Gettleman found some late-round talent in Cam Brown, Carter Coughlin, and Tate Crowder. Now, Crowder might have, you know, a bad game or he might not, you know, defeat blocks and whatever, but that comes with coaching. That comes with development. And again, who bought the products? Compared to, you know, how many years he's been drafting for the Giants. He didn't draft 6th and 7th round in 2018. 2019, he selected Coy Ballantyne, George Safo Aji, and he also selected, what's his face? Chris Slayton. None of those guys are on the team no more. And I'm not going to say it's because of, you know, this, that, and the other thing, or if it's because of coaching or whatever. Asafo Ajay had a concussion. He was out for the whole season. He was on IR, and he wasn't able to come back because they cut him, well, put him on IR as part of the cuts. Asafo Ajay, as I said, concussion, as I just said. Slayton was on the practice squad the whole year, didn't even get a chance to play in the last couple weeks. He was activated the roster. Coy Ballantyne. Horrible scheme by James Betcher. Didn't know what the fuck he was doing. And none of them are on the team anymore. Now, the Giants did something different this season. Play them to their strengths. Every linebacker, except for TJ Brunson, has played. And I'm talking about late round linebackers. Now, Chris Williams said he was cut. Unfortunately, that's one seventh round pick. We had four. TJ Brunson, he's been inactive the last couple of games. Okay. Cam Brown in the 6th round. Carter Coughlin in the 7th round. Tay Crowder, Mr. Irrelevant. You're telling me that's not coaching? You're telling me Dave Gettleman doesn't deserve credit? You're telling me Dave Gettleman does not deserve credit? For those guys? Yeah, sure, judge, you know, the coach. He may have had a say as who to draft. But the GM executes it. For the final point on this, the GM buys the goods... And Joe Judge and Patrick Graham make the goods. It's kind of like what the Yankees did in 2019. Next man up. And don't be afraid to say that Patrick Graham is a genius or he's becoming one. And Joe Judge, he knows what he's doing. Don't be afraid to say that. Because it's the truth. It's the truth. Now to analytics. And these are some impressive stats, at least the first two. Andrew Thomas is now... Ninth among offensive tackles in the NFL, 79% in run block win rate. We are 14th in run block win rate, 71%. Will Hernandez, 77% ranks third among offensive guards in run block win rate. He's behind Brandon Scherf and Quentin Nelson. Now the Giants, 32nd in pass rush win rate, uh, 33%. If anyone's looking at as a negative stat, it just means that they don't have a dominant rusher. You know, they don't have a Yannick Nagakwe. They don't have a Zadarius Smith. You know, they don't have those guys. Leonard Williams, how do you think he's getting all the sacks? Because of scheme. Because of guys escaping the pocket. It's all scheming, guys. So, if you take a look at that set and say, oh, but the Giants have so many sacks this year, it's by scheme. And, to be honest, it would not hurt to add an additional pass rusher to this team next year. Especially when you got Carter and Zimenez coming off season-ending injuries. 
Same with Fackrell, possibly. So you'll see what's going to happen and what a pass rusher could make a difference to this defense. Because if the pass rusher makes an effect right away in the future and the quarterback's either out of the pocket, trying to step up in the pocket, that middle of the defensive line will get to him. Trust me. Giants are 17th in run-stop win rate, 30%. Obviously, all the linebackers contribute and the defensive line to that one. And the Giants are 31st in pass-block win rate, 46%. So don't let that fool you, really. Um, it's still a negative stat as far as analytics go. But again, two sacks in the last two weeks, really one from Deion Lewis and one from McCoy stepping in the pocket for Shane Lemieux. But again, take the eye test. Watch Bobby Skinner's offensive line report. Watch Nick Falato. Watch those guys that do the offensive line reports, they will tell you the truth because they have been linemen. I don't know about Falato, but I know Bobby Skinner was a former lineman either in high school or wherever, but he understands what offensive linemen and what you know what it takes. To be honest, I don't because I never really played football professionally or in high school or whenever. I'm going to be honest there. I'm not going to you know make an argument that I'm not going to be good at proving. So let's take a look at this Coach of the Year conversation. And we'll get to the division outlook last. And I'm already in uh, about 30 minutes in this video, almost. So, Gil Brandt. And I'm going to look up the tweet right now so I can get it real quickly. Just, uh, it's about Gil Brandt's tweet. Let's take a look. So, Gil Brandt tweeted on Twitter. Who's your coach of the year this year? And I think there's so many worthy candidates. Now, let's go down the list. Ron Rivera, Joe Judge, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, Sean Payton, Sean McDermott, Brian Flores, Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin, Andy Reid, Kevin Stefanski, Mike Vrabel, and Frank Reich. So I get into an argument with this guy because he says, oh, how you be anywhere near the coach of the conversation is insane to me. So I start arguing with the guy. And of course, he gets 19 likes because the casuals. I basically ripped into him. I said, you don't watch Giants football. You really don't. He goes, I watch every Giants game. And I said, I don't believe that. Because what people will tell you is sometimes faulty. Sure, the Giants are 5-7. and seven. They haven't beaten every single team. But they've been competitive. You honestly have to look beyond the record sometimes, people. For the casuals out there, for the, you know, the, for the people that just hate on the Giants. The Giants have sucked the last couple of years. Okay? And when you guys turn on ESPN and Fox Sports in the morning... You will see more talks about the Giants and how they're improving as a team. Compared to the last couple of years on Ben McAdoo, Pat Shermer, they're not good coaches. But let's give you two to three examples as to why Joe Judge should be coach of the year. Now, he should be in that conversation either way. Will he win? I don't think so, because I think it's a popularity contest if depending on who votes on it. So, number one. Compared to last season, he's improved this team steadily. We've competed in every game except the 49er game. That's number one. You know, you talk about the Steelers game, we were competitive, we lost. Bears game, same thing. Rams game, same thing. Every game this season except for the 49ers game, we've competed. It's rather that than you have a losing record and you don't compete every game, but you blow out some people that game. Or some games, I should say. So that's number one. Number two, the linebacker conversation. And I'm going to get to Colombo on three. You have so many rookie linebackers. You have a lot of linebackers, and now we're short. Our prominent pass rushers, quote, quote, and our prominent linebackers on the outside, 
Those guys all went down. IR, one was traded. Okay? Carter Coughlin. As I just mentioned, all those three rookie linebackers, Brown, Coughlin, and Crowder, they're playing excellent. Pass rushing, tackling, those guys are playing excellent. It's a next man up mentality. And you know what? Just to add in, who hired Patrick Graham as the assistant coach and defensive coordinator? Joe Judge did. Who questioned him? Giants fans, including myself. And I eat crow on that. I admit I was wrong. I do. I don't want Patrick Graham going this year. I really don't. Should he be nominated for AP NFL Assistant Coach of the Year? Yeah, sure. Should he win it? Yeah, possibly. I mean, I don't know any other assistant coach across the league, you know, unless you prove an argument to me that deserves it. Number three. This is probably one of the most prominent in Giants fans' minds. And Mark Schlereth is a clown for assessing that Joe Judge didn't coach up the offensive line. For the first seven weeks, seven, eight weeks, the offensive line struggled. Andrew Thomas, not doing the right technique. Cameron Fleming, being, you know, you guys can say, oh, he's on a $2 million contract. Doesn't matter. It's about how he's playing and the situation he was put in. And it's about coaching as well. Coach Judge spends two weeks on the offensive line. They start maneuvering and getting better. They start maneuvering and getting better because Colombo is not doing his job. And by the way, Colombo cursed out Judge when he was talking about Andrew Thomas's film and how he was ripping him. One time in a film room. Yes, that happened. That's apparently, though. You know, everything is still up in the air, and I really don't like to talk about this because it's been so repetitive among the media. He was trying to fix Nick Gates' technique in a practice. Colombo wasn't happy about it. On the bye week, Joe Judge approaches Colombo and says, Listen, I'm going to bring my guy, Dave Guglielmo, in. He's going to help the offensive line, and pretty much he's going to work with you, and we're going to make this whole unit better. Well, Mark Colombo decided to be egotistical and say, No, I don't like that. Started getting a screaming match. He was fired. What's the point of this? That Joe Judge recognized what was wrong, And he fucking fixed it. Colombo didn't want to coach the way Joe Judge wanted to. Bye-bye. Dave Guglielmo is doing a good job so far. The point of that in the coaching conversation, he did what he was supposed to. He fixed what was wrong. And it's starting to not be a problem anymore. The only problem or one of the only problems on this team happens to be the play calling. If the offensive play calling and the offensive execution is good, we could actually be an over 500 team right now. But the past is the past. But my point is, those are three good examples. If I mentioned three, I don't know if I mentioned three. I think I did. Those are three examples as to why Joe Judge should deserve Coach of the Year conversation. People will look at Shanahan. He's doing a formidable job with the 49er team, and he's trying I believe they're like 5-7 and seven right now. I believe. Yeah, I think so. Because they lost to the Bills on Monday night. But when Nick Mullins is quarterback, they can beat certain teams. I wouldn't count them out yet. Yes, they might be last place in the standings in their division, but he's trying to make them fight. I'll give him credits to that, even though I don't know a lot. Obviously, they'll credit Belichick because, you know, without Tom Brady and without formidable pieces this year, they're an over 500 team, I believe. Or they're 6-6. Six six. 
Look at Vrabel. Um, honestly, Titans fans can tell me about what he deserves because honestly, you know, it's an over 500 team, but they just got beaten their ass by the Browns. Mike Tomlin, they started out 11 and 0, lost to the Washington football team, a team we beat twice. And that team is improving, trust me. But you want to talk about records? You can talk about that with the Steelers conversation. Because I'm bringing up a point that other people and other casuals can bring up when they're talking about how the Steelers suck and how they're overrated. And that's talking about outside the record. What Joe Judge has done to improve this team compared to last year. So you know what? Zip your mouth on that. Because Joe Judge should be in that conversation. And if he's not, then you know the NFL is scripted. Then you know the NFL is screwed up. Then you know it's rigged. I'm sorry. You guys can see bias. You guys can say bias. But you know what? I think he's done enough for this fan base, for this team to gain confidence going into next year, even if we don't win the division, even if we don't win a playoff game. So you know what? Zip your mouth, take the key, and throw it away. Let's go to the division outlook. Now, I originally didn't have this as part of my agenda, but I'm going to add it as well. Um, Things are spicy in the NFC East. People can talk about how the division sucks. Well, it's not competitive. So, week 13 this week, we beat Seattle. Philly lost to Green Bay. Washington won in Pittsburgh. And... Dallas has yet to play Baltimore, at least at the time I'm recording this. So we'll see about that, but my projection is they lose. So at this point in the game, Washington and New York have five wins. Go to next week, my projections at least. I think Washington goes out west, but I do think they lose to San Francisco because even though San Francisco is coming off a loss, they're staying technically home. And Washington has two road games in a row. Two competitive matchups. I think San Francisco wins that one. Dallas, I think that they win against Cincy. Yes, I do think that. Um, Brandon Allen's the quarterback. Their offensive line isn't the greatest. Bobby Hart, one of the highlight reels there. I think Philly, although they will start Jalen Hurts, they lose against New Orleans. I think New Orleans is better coached. You guys can say, oh, Jalen Hurts, you know, he's better than Taysom Hill. Whatever the case may be, even if Jalen Hurts was better than Taysom Hill. Sean Payton's the coach of the Saints. They've been an over 500 team. They've been cracking it the last couple of weeks. Meanwhile, Doug Peterson, you know, he hasn't been the greatest coach. He really hasn't. I think we win against Arizona next week. Coming off a loss to the Rams, and I said this on the live stream, we traded favors with the Rams, really. Because... They gave us the Cardinals in which they won against. Now they're going to come out to the East Coast and face us. A team coming off a win against the Seahawks. And our favorite of them was, okay, you guys obviously beat the Cardinals. And they're 6-6 six and six this year, I think. And they're 6-6 six and six up to this point. We're going to beat the Seahawks for you, and you guys get to go to first place. So it's a reasonable favor as much as uh, weird as it seems, and a lot of people haven't thought about that. But I do think we do beat Arizona. Momentum coming in. I think we could cover DeAndre Hopkins. 
I think we're just going to have to watch the other weapons around. Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, if they're all healthy. Going into week 15, I'm going to rescind the win with Cleveland. I think we're going to lose. It's not a lack of confidence in this team, but they just blew out the Titans. They've showed me that I think that they... Now, obviously, they play the Ravens next week. But as for week 15, whoever comes out on top, because I think the Browns can actually win against the Ravens, I think that we could lose that game. We can win, but we could also lose. And that's my projection right now. Philly, they lose to Arizona. Philly, in my opinion, is going last place. I don't care if you put Jalen Hurts in their last place. End of the division, end of the playoffs for them. Or any hopes, I should say. Washington, they're home against Seattle. I think that's a loss. Um, I think we're slightly better than Washington. But also to note that I think Washington... Also to note that I think Seattle's going to learn something from this loss. Uh, You go against San Francisco. That's Dallas at home. I think they win. Now, while you're saying, oh, uh, you're saying that Washington loses San Francisco, but Dallas wins against San Francisco. Well, I think it's going to be one of those things where Dallas unexpectedly beats a team and now they're back in it I mean they've been in it for a lot of the time but the Washington loss was unexpected so I think they're going to prove in my opinion some haters wrong and say look you know we may have lost to Washington but we're going to beat the San Francisco 49ers so we'll see but in my opinion that game is still up in the air right now these are not my final projections week 16 lose to Baltimore Philly loses to Dallas Washington wins against Carolina, and Dallas wins against Philly. I think Washington has proven themselves to be a better team than Carolina right now, especially with Teddy Bridgewater, if he's playing. I believe he is. And I think that Ron Rivera is going to get some revenge versus Carolina. I think Carolina is actually coming to Washington, so that's going to be a fun-filled match. And then I think Dallas has more positive momentum going into that game with a win, going for another win against Philly. So we go into week 17. Win against Dallas for us. A loss against... Now, originally, I had this as a win for Philly, not no more. Nope. Sorry, Washington's a better team. Washington wins it in Philly. Very hard task to do. There's no fans there. Washington wins. Dallas loses. So here are my final projections as of right now. New York Giants winning the division. 7-9, 7-9, getting the tiebreaker over Washington. Washington also has 7-9, but the Giants have beat them twice. Dallas, 6-10. I originally had them 5-11. I said, you know what? They beat Cincy. They beat San Francisco. They beat Philly. Philadelphia, uh, they lose the rest of the way, 3-12-1. So, my projections, they may not be right, but they may be close to what other people are putting out and reasonable as well. Because unless Philly gets their head out of their ass, they're not going to be competing. I think Dallas might come out of the gates. In my opinion, Dallas is like a box of chocolates. You don't know what you're going to get. And with this win against Pittsburgh, Washington is right under us. In the case that they're sniffing us out, they're saying, hey, we can compete against you guys with Alex Smith. Ron Rivera is a good coach. With that defense, they could be in games. That's what they did against Pittsburgh last night. And, you know, that offense may not be well, but the defense is good. Just like the Giants. I do think 
that our offense is better slightly. If the play calling gets forward, yeah, sure, it will be an obvious thing. The defense might be a little bit better for Washington in the passing game, but in the running game, we are definitely better. So that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Thank you guys for listening. You guys can find all the podcast platforms down below. I know when this gets to YouTube or when this gets to uh, any other platform, the video quality will not be as great. The mic quality will be good, but the video crawl. The video quality will not be as great. So for those that are listening, uh, this podcast is available on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Overcast, and CastBox. We are available on social media, Big Blue in the Bronx, Twitter and Instagram, and also our YouTube channel. Subscribe to that as well. This goes on YouTube. Thank you to Cop Pizzle. Um, when I was up till like 1 a.m., on his channel with a lot of Giants content creators. I want to shout them out real quick. Bad Dog, Entertainer, Authentic in the Beard, Sox Arizona, Bobby, you know, it was really funny. Nicole, um, I think I'm forgetting somebody here. Sneaky G-Man as well. Big Blue Jabroni. Those guys are awesome. I like hanging with them and I like talking to them. I really appreciate Cop Pizzle really shouting me out. A little speech he gave after I pretty much said my piece at the end of his stream so if you haven't seen that go check it out uh a lot of people subscribed to me after he said his speech about seven to ten subscribers so thank you guys uh any new supporters please contact me ask questions do whatever guys thank you guys and uh friday it's a new day we verse the cardinals and we're gonna kick some cardinal ass we're gonna keep killing the birds thank you guys